Hello and welcome to Rewrite Your Story, where we discover ways for pain to become a platform to purpose. I'm Chandra, your host, and I'm delighted to have you join me on this journey. I created this podcast to offer tools and tips to help you rewrite your story personally, professionally, spiritually, or relationally. Subscribe now and tune in each week as we revisit the pain of our past to glean a different perspective and live with renewed purpose. Remember, regardless of your circumstances, it's not too late to redeem your past and rewrite your future. So grab pen and paper or your favorite notes app and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Rewrite Your Story. I'm Chandra and you know I am so excited about this episode. The title is Like Mother, Like Daughter. Like Mother, Like Daughter. And I'll tell you on the front end that growing up, I did not want to be like my mother. As a matter of fact, I worked very hard to not be like her. I had no idea how much brokenness I carried trying to avoid being like her. And it would be decades later, you'll hear this over and over well into my 40s before healing would begin. And I would begin to embrace the mother that God chose for me. Now, this proverb like mother, like daughter is actually in the Bible. It can be found in Ezekiel 16, verse 44. So Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 44 says, Behold, everyone who uses Proverbs will use this proverb about you like mother, like daughter. Now, I'm not going to get into a lot of biblical history. This podcast is not about me preaching or teaching the word of God, but I do want to share the importance of how the word of God anchors me when rewriting my story. And so years ago, some years ago, while doing a book club, I came across this scripture wanting to teach about the relationship between mother and daughter. And always I searched the scripture to find out if there is anything in the Bible that talks about it. I came across this scripture in Ezekiel, and it really is in reference to Judah, uh, one of the nations that was had been in captivity. And Ezekiel prophesied to this nation during their Babylonian cat- captivity. Well, like Israel, Judah would fall away into spiritual adultery. And this proverb was a reminder that they could follow the same path of destruction and others would follow like them, like mother, like daughter. And so when we begin to look at who we are as adults and how we live our lives, this proverb is telling us that our children will pattern themselves after us. They will model their lives after us. They will learn things from us, spoken and unspoken, based on how we live our life. We even hear it sometimes when a child is born or when someone sees a family member sees a child, they may say he's the spitting image of his dad or she looks just like her mother, or he's acting just like his father. Think about it. You know, even now I have two granddaughters and people ask me, are they like their mom or are they like their dad? Do they have characteristics like their mom or do they have characteristics like their dad? Do they have eyes like their mom? Do they have eyes like their dad? Do they have, um, Is their voice and the things they say more like their mom or more like their dad? And so there are these physical traits and behavior characteristics that we develop based on, again, the DNA of our parents. And so as much as we may try to avoid being like our parents, there's a part of them living in us 
half of the chromosomes we received came from that parent. But I wasn't smart enough to know that I was like everyone else or like most people. Let me not say everyone else because you may not be like me. I grew up with my own issues with my mom and even my dad. But I want to specifically talk about my mom because that was the relationship for me as a little girl growing up that seemed to impact me the most. And so when I grew up, I didn't want to be like my mom. As a matter of fact, I spent my life trying not to be like my mom because I was so angry with my mom because of how she raised us. And maybe you didn't make any vows again. Maybe you hadn't thought about this. Maybe you love your mom or loved your mom and everything about them. Uh, But I think that many times there are these unspoken messages that we have in our head and in our heart that we say, when I have children, I'm going to do it differently. I'm not going to mother my child the way that my mom mothered me, or I'm not going to parent my child the way my father loved me, parented me. And so some were, you know, my mom was strict. She was just strict. Bottom line, there, there was no sugarcoating it. My mom was very strict. Uh, We didn't get to hang out a lot with friends. We had to come home. Um, There seemed to be an endless list of chores. There was always so many chores. We had to cook. We had to clean. We had to do the laundry. And in my mind, you know, I think, well, I'm not going to have Marcus do all that. But guess who did it? I had him doing the same thing. I felt neglected. You know, I felt like her job got more attention. Her friends got more attention. The men she was dating got more attention. And again, you end up repeating the very thing you hate, or at least that was the case with me. Uh, We were raised to be independent at a very young age. And so we had responsibility at a very young age. And so there was not uh, a lot of nurturing from the perspective of, oh, it's okay, baby, I'll do that for you. Oh, it's okay if you don't wash the dishes tonight or feel like washing the dishes, I'll take care of that for you. No, we had that mom that would get you up out of the bed if you did not wash the dishes and make you wash the dishes if it was midnight, one or two o'clock in the morning. Even if we had to go to school, we were taught to be independent and to be responsible at a very early age. Now, you may be laughing as you're beginning to think about some of the things that you experienced with your mom. And as I'm, you know, as I'm thinking through this, I'm laughing because I didn't think these things would impact me the way they did. But they did. And so I have this list like we couldn't spend the night with friends. We had to come home. We had siblings. And so we spent time with our siblings We didn't get a voice. My mom was the final authority. She was the final voice. You didn't talk back. As a matter of fact, old school, you know it. uh, You might get backhanded if you didn't act like you hurt her. Right. Come on. You know it. it. It just happened. I don't know how parents could drive and then reach in the back seat and pop us if we were talking. But somehow they figured out how to do that. And so I grew up again saying, I don't want to be like my mom. So, you know, the proverb was like mother, like daughter. I didn't want to be like my mother. I had a very broken relationship with my mom. And the reality is, in order for me to really talk about this like mother, like daughter, I have to talk about my mom's relationship with her mom. My mom had a broken relationship with her mom. And as a result of not having that nurturing, loving relationship with her mom, my mom didn't learn those skills. And I didn't know that. I just knew that I was the recipient of that same type of brokenness. 
And so growing up, I wanted to be loved more. I wanted to be kissed more. I wanted more affection. And that wasn't what happened in our house. What, what happened in our home was you have responsibilities and take care of your responsibilities. And that was the way it was. And so I grew up resenting that. Now, did I say that out loud? No. I, did I talk about it to people? Absolutely not, because I also knew that the Bible said to honor your father and your mother. And so I didn't know what to do with these emotions that I was feeling inside. I didn't know what to do when I was angry and pushing back against my mom, but could not really do it because I knew that if I pushed back or if I expressed myself, I may get in trouble. My mom was raised uh, during a generation uh, that for many of us, you know, we would call it old school. They probably say I'm old school now at 54, but my mom is almost 80 years old. And so my mom grew up with a generation that if a baby cried, you let that baby cry themselves to sleep. You didn't hug that baby a lot. You didn't pick that baby up because you didn't want to spoil that baby. Well, that was true for them then. But the reality is, for generations now, we are seeing the results of that kind of neglect of not wanting to touch a child, not wanting to hug a child, not wanting to say, I love you too much. And so I grew up longing to be loved and looking for love in all the wrong places because I felt that I had that void in my heart. We were also, you know, told that children are seen and not heard. And so again, from her generation to our generation, that's what she was taught. And so that's what she walked out. Children are seen and not heard. And so I didn't know how to use my voice. I didn't know how to talk when something was wrong. As a matter of fact, I, I think about during my engineering career, um, I was afraid to ask for vacation. Can you imagine that? Here I am, college graduate, pursuing a career in engineering, and I'm afraid to ask for vacation because I expected them to say no. I didn't know if I had a right because I had been raised in a home where the authority was my mom, and unless she said yes, it didn't happen, and most of the time it was no. And so those ways of not wanting to be my, like my mom um, carried over in ways that I never would have expected with my son, Marcus. I was 20 years old when I have had him. I often say I was a baby having a baby. But the reality is these places of resentment and hurt and pain that I had with my own mom caused me to then repeat some of those same characteristics and parenting styles with my son. Now, you may say, well, Chandra, how can that happen? And, and I, I would say oftentimes we repeat the things we refuse to forgive. And, and that's for me. I can't say that's the case for you. But for me, what I found is these places where pain has paralyzed me, places where I refuse to forgive people, places where I'm stuck and I'm holding on to these situations or these people I find myself unable to move forward. And in very subtle ways, I end up repeating the very thing I hate. And so when I began to look at my life with my son, I was like mother, like daughter, like mother, like daughter. Was it an exact parallel? No, it wasn't. But there are so many things that were so close to the way that my mom had raised me in the way that my mom had treated me unintentionally. 
I, I was, again, trying not to be like my mom, but here I found myself being like my mom. The first was neglect. I was physically present and emotionally absent. I was physically present in that I came home every day. I, I was not the kind of mom that did not care for my son. I can count on one hand the number of people Marcus was ever able to spend the night with. And so I was always home. I picked him up, took him to school. I was there. I let very few people babysit him, including my family. But emotionally, I was absent. I did not have conversations with him. I did not talk to him a lot other than what was needed. So that was, have you done your homework? Do you have your clothes out for school? Do you have a game tomorrow? If he was playing sports, do you have your uniform ready for Taekwondo? Physically present, emotionally absent. And it was one of the things that I would later learn was a similar characteristic of my dad. I didn't know how to have deep conversations. I didn't know how to engage Marcus. And this is an area of my story that I'm still rewriting today. When you haven't learned how to go into these deep places and have conversation from a young age, when your child becomes an adult, it's hard to penetrate that space because where do you start? Do you start the conversation as if you, they are 12 or 13 and say, hey, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? If that's not a conversation they're accustomed to having with you, they're probably going to look at you like, what is really going on? Are you sick? Are you dying? Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And so it takes some time to be able to penetrate the space where we haven't traveled before. And so there was this place of neglect where I was physically present and emotionally absent. It's like going through the motions. We lived under the same roof, but we weren't having these deep relationships. We didn't hang out. We, we didn't have as, as I'll share quality time. So, so there, so there was not pizza night. There wasn't movie night. There wasn't laughing and joking on a regular basis for us. We simply were trying to figure out how to move through life. And I'm not saying that to be hard on myself because I think I did a good job raising my son as someone who was 20, 21, 22, 23, uh, up to the age of 40. You know, I had him when I was 20. So there was always this 20 year gap between us. And I think I did a good job. But I also realized in retrospect that there are some things that I could have done better. The very things, again, that I regretted that my mom didn't do and that I resented that my mom didn't do like spending quality time with me. I also didn't do with my son. And so there was neglect. I talked about the strict rules. My son heard the voice of discipline. And I often say to moms, make sure that the only voice your child hears is not the voice of discipline. And again, you may say, Chandra, what is the voice of discipline? It's what I've referred to earlier. Clean your room, do your homework, is everything ready for school tomorrow? It is that voice that is always around structure. It is around academics. It's around performance. It's around uh, chores. It's not the fun voice. It's not a joking voice. It's not a relaxed voice. It is a voice that comes with just authority, discipline, get it together. And so I was that mom who didn't like that. That was my mom's voice. And I repeated it. And my son heard this voice of discipline all the time. 
So much so that even into his adult life, if you were to ask him, when you ask your mom if you could do stuff, he would tell you that 90% of the time my answer was no. It was like a robot. I would naturally respond no before thinking about it. It was almost like he had to convince me that I could say yes, that it was okay for him to do something. Now, he was always in sports. He always had extracurricular activities. But beyond that, it was like my automatic response was no. And I regret that because he grew up, became an adult, and anything he wanted, he didn't want anyone to tell him no. I don't blame him if all you ever heard was no. I don't even know why I said no. Well, actually, I do. I was angry. I was bitter. I was sick. I was broken. I, I didn't know how to parent. I didn't know how to have relationships. And so I had these strict rules. I had, you know, clean up your room, uh, clean the house, clean your bathroom. Remember when I said we began to do chores very young and it seems like and it seemed like the list never ended. Well, at the age of eight, Marcus learned one chore. At the age of nine, he learned another chore. So at eight, he might learn how to clean the bathroom. At age nine, he might learn how to do his laundry. At age 10, he might learn how to iron clothes. I did the same thing, this never-ending list of chores. And like my mom, I was the final authority. I gave him a voice because after being sexually abused, I didn't want him to grow up and not have a voice but I still was the final authority. And my mom would sometimes say to me, you let him talk too much, but I wanted him to have a voice. I wanted him to know that he could express how he felt. He could express his frustrations. But even in that, there was still this place of emptiness, this place of disconnect, this place where um, I was so career minded and I was so focused on going to church that I neglected him. I gave my time to the community. I gave my time to people. And when I came home, I went in my room and closed the door. I'm ashamed to say we never had dinner together. We would eat in the car, most of the time fast food. We would eat on the go. Um, and even if we came home, he would go to his space and I would go to my space. And, and, as, I, and as he grew up, it was the same thing. I would be in my room working. He would be in his room working. He might be in the den working. 90% of the time I was in my room working. Most of the time when I came home, I went to my room and went to, or went to my office and that's where I worked. And that was my life. And sometimes I see that pattern with him coming home from work and going to his office. He is so much better at spending time with his kids and having dinner with his wife and their kids so much better than I was. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that he didn't repeat what he learned from me when it comes to quality time. Then there was communication. I was an angry, resentful person. And as a result, it it impeded our communication. We couldn't have healthy communication again because I lacked the communication. And so as parents, it's important that we teach our children how to have conversation, that we not only give them a voice, but we teach them how to talk through issues, how to resolve conflict. What does that look like? Well, you may be asking, well, Chandra, when did it change for you? When did it change for you? Well, well here's when my story began to be rewritten. About 10 years ago, I was going through a healing class for being sexually abused. It was a sexual and relational healing class. 
And I initially had enrolled in the class for being sexually abused by a pastor. And I knew that I would also work through my marriages. And while going through that class, I was able to work through a lot of pain. And I I say that the healing journey is much like an onion being peeled away. And so that first layer for me was I really wanted to deal with being sexually abused by a pastor because I knew that it had not only affected me physically and mentally, but I also knew that it had affected me emotionally and spiritually. I didn't know how it had affected me or the depth that at which it had affected me, but I knew it had greatly affected me. And so that was the big layer for me. Well, while going through that class, I realized that I had this mother wound and I'll do a whole podcast on mother wound and father wound because I think it's important to talk about it. But I had this place in my heart where I had been wounded by my mom. And the word for me was neglect. As I shared earlier, it was not being told I love you, not being hugged, not being shown affection. Um, I remember once being hurt playing basketball and I went up to block a shot and my knee separated the the um, joints, the uh, separated. And when I hit the floor, it knocked them together. And I remember coming home and wanting to go to the doctor and couldn't. My mom was like, no, we can't go. And woke up the next morning and couldn't walk down the steps because my leg was so swollen. Now, did my mom intend that, intend to do anything to hurt me? Absolutely not. She didn't know what was going to happen. Again, I was in high school. I was that child that got hurt all the time. I'll go ahead and admit it. I was a tomboy. So I'm sure she thought this is another time that Chandra was out here doing something. And it's really not that serious, but it really was serious. I had to go to the doctor and they ended up having to put my leg in a cast of some sort. Um, And so, but as a child, you feel neglected. You feel like the attention, the attention you needed, you weren't given. Well, I'm going through this healing class and neglect is the best word that I can come up with. And so after this class, I had just kind of tucked away this place of neglect. I just knew that, said I would forgive my mom, but I still felt some kind of attachment to not being cared for the way I wanted to. I really wanted this perfect relationship or this uh, friendship that I saw some of my friends have with their moms. Like I wanted to be the daughter that had many petties with her mom. And I wanted to be the daughter that had gone shopping with her mom and that hung out with her mom. But that wasn't my story. At the time I was going through this healing, I was already in my forties. And so my mom and I were not about to do many petties and we hadn't done them in 30, 40 years. And we weren't about to go shopping because that just wasn't something we did. Remember when I said when your children become adults, it's harder to penetrate that space. And so I would I finished the class and decided I wanted to become a leader and went to Kansas City for training. While at training, I'm sitting in a session and a woman is talking about the mother wound and she's doing an intense session on the mother wound. And she stands before us and she says, what if your mother has given you everything she could give you? What if everything she has, every skill she has, every characteristic, every bit of love she has, she's given you that. And that's the best she has to give. Would you accept that and surrender that to Christ? And I remember sitting there. I I can tell you exactly where I was sitting in the room. It was um, a a campground type cabin, um, not 
without water. Let me go ahead and say that we had showers and waters and it was a wonderful place. But um, it was a beautiful campground in Kansas City. And um, we were in this training room with chairs seated like a theater style. And at the front of the room, there's a big cross and she's standing at the podium. And I'm about the third or fourth row back uh, sitting in a seat closest to the middle aisle. And I remember sitting there when she said, what if your mother is giving you all you could have? And I didn't really want to look at her. But I'm looking at her thinking, yeah, right. She knows better. She can do better. That, that can't be the best she has. And she continued to emphasize this as my mind is racing and I'm thinking about all the reasons why my mom is refusing to be a better mom. Not at all thinking about the fact that I haven't been a perfect mom to my own son, that I've made mistakes and I haven't done things so well myself. Yet I'm sitting in this chair judging her, judging my own mom for the areas in her life that she has failed. And I'm sitting there and as she begins to, as she continues this conversation and she says, would you surrender it to Christ? Would you surrender it? And then she quotes a scripture and always for me, it is the word of God that brings change in my heart. She quotes Psalm 2710 and it says, When your mother and your father forsake you, then the Lord will take you. He will take you. And she said, what if the Lord wants to take you? What if he wants to be your mother and your father? What if he wants to feel that place in you that your mother can't feel or that your mother hasn't filled? What if he wants to be the best mother that you could ever have? Would you then surrender it to him? And in that moment, I just said, okay, what, what do I have to lose? I've tried everything else. Being angry is not helping. Not forgiving her is not helping. Replaying all of her faults in my head is not helping. Having an attitude is not helping. What would happen if I surrendered it? If I really gave it to the Lord? And so she said, Write, her, write your mom's name on a piece of paper, bring it up here and pin it to the cross. And it sounds simple. I'm making it sound simple, but it really was not simple. It really was powerful because I did it. I, I wrote down my mom's name and I pinned it to the cross and we finished out that session. And as we went out to break, I remember walking outside to this hillside right outside this training room to just kind of process what had happened and um, look out and just kind of breathe in some air because it was really emotional because for 40 plus years, I had been carrying this load of resentment and anger and feeling neglected by my mom. And I walked out and I felt like I could skip through the tulips. It was, it was, it was, it was the craziest feeling. I had never felt so light. I felt like this load had come off of me and I could skip through the tulips. And I remember telling my roommate that I feel like I could skip through the tulips. Why? Because I had forgiven my mom and I had released her and I had let her go. Thus began the rewriting of my story with my mom. Did it, did, was my story perfect after that? Absolutely not. But did it change? Absolutely. So what changed? The first thing forgiving my mom did was it opened my heart to love the part of my mother that's in me. Think about that. 
I forgave my mom and it opened my heart to love the part of my mom that's my DNA. I had shut off a part of my being, a part of my characteristics, a part of my heart that was most like my mom when I stopped loving my mom. In other words, when I stopped loving my mom, I stopped loving a part of me because I have my mom's DNA inside of me. And I don't know if you've ever thought about the power of that, that when you stop loving a parent, that you stop loving a part of you, that when you hate a parent, when you dislike a parent, that you're disliking a part of you because you're carrying their DNA. You're carrying their characteristics. And I did not realize that I had shut off a part of me when I was carrying all of this resentment and anger towards my mom. It not only opened my heart, but it opened my life. And, and I began to see things about me that was most like my mom. Like I had this voice to bring about change in community. I had this voice and this desire to make a difference in people's lives. And, and it wasn't that I wasn't doing it then, but I was not doing it to the degree that I do it now because I had shut that part of me off. And when I set her free, I set me free. When I set her free, I set my calling free. I set my voice free. I set my ability to love people in a different way because I gave life to the part of my mom in me who was given life to the community. The very thing that I hated and disliked about my mom loving people more or feeling like she loved them more than she loved us was a part of me that I had in me to love people, to care for them, to open my home to them like my mom. But I had not really done that. Not, not like I do now until I was able to forgive her. What was the other thing that, what was another thing that happened when I forgave my mom? It prevented me from continuing the same type of history with my son. It, it allowed me then to look at myself because what happens when we're hurt is we act out of that pain and typically we hurt people in the process. It's our way of protecting, our way of coping, uh, but we end up hurting other people. And so when I chose to forgive my mom, it prevented me from repeating that history going forward with my son. It allowed me to open myself up to see my own brokenness, to see the things that I was repeating like my mom with my son, to see the things I had done in raising him and neglecting him and not spending quality time with him, not making him a priority, being so focused on my career, being so dedicated to church, but not giving him that time. It opened me up to that so that I could see my own weaknesses, my own brokenness, so that I could then own my stuff. Now, why is me owning my stuff important? I needed to own my stuff to begin to bridge the relationship with my son. And it's not easy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've just only skimmed the surface. But it opened up the opportunity for me to own my stuff and say to him, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I neglected you. I'm sorry that you had to hear me talking outside of a door because he had to tell me that I didn't know that 
we were just talking and he just said, mom, you know, you never, I never talked to you a lot, but I would sit outside your door. And that's how I learned a lot of stuff, listening to you counsel other people. When I would say, I don't know why you always go to that family's house for dinner. Why are you over there on Sunday for dinner every Sunday? Because, and he would say, because we never had dinner together. Now I can say that now without breaking down crying, it still hurts. But can you imagine hearing your child tell you, I'm going here because you don't spend this time with me? You didn't spend this time with me? That's painful. But I want an honest, deep relationship. I want an authentic relationship with my son. And as parents, we've got to take responsibility for the things we don't do well or that we didn't do well. It doesn't mean we failed as a parent. It simply means that we want a healthy relationship and healing happens when we're willing to go revisit the pain and own our stuff. We've got to see a different perspective so that we can then speak into that place. And if it means repent, if it means confess, if it means saying, I'm sorry, we've got to be big enough and mature enough to say, I blew it. I didn't get it right. I'm not perfect and I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm not going to justify what I did and minimize your feelings. I want to own what I did and the effect it had on your life because I love you and I want you to be better. I want us to be better. And that takes a lot of maturity from us as parents to do that. And if our parents don't do it like my mom didn't do it, for those of us that we are feeling the burden and we're the ones that is carrying the weight, then we have to be mature enough like I had to be and say, hey, mom, here are some things that I wasn't pleased with that I felt like should have been different. But if you never change anything, I want you to know I forgive you. And I put it behind me. And that's what we have to do sometimes in order to be free. And so that began to be the rewriting of my story. It changed my relationship with my mom. It changed my relationship with my son. It changed how I saw myself and how I see myself today. It is a constant reminder to me that I need the grace of God, that I need mercy and that I need forgiveness. And so as you begin to think about your stories, you think about your mom, as you think about your dad, even. I know the proverb says like mother, like daughter. But as I shared in the beginning, sometimes, you know, you may be the spitting image of your dad, whether you're a son or a daughter. You may say, Chandra, you don't understand. He abandoned me. He left me. He walked out on me. Maybe he was physically present and emotionally absent or emotionally present and physically absent. Maybe he wasn't a good provider or maybe she was strung out on drugs or an alcoholic or or depressed. I don't know what the situation is or what it was. What I'm saying is if you're going to rewrite your story, it's important to revisit that pain. Look at it from a different perspective and be willing to forgive and set them free so that you can be free. If you are parenting a child or plan to parent a child, or if you want a healthier relationship with your parent, there has to be forgiveness in this process. It won't happen if you don't. 
because you will continue to be paralyzed by the pain of your past. You will continue to be paralyzed by the person you that caused the pain. Only in forgiveness, only when you cancel the debt, only when you set people free, do you become free. And that's what we want is true freedom. So when you think about your life as a mother or daughter, a parent, a father, um, I want to just share a few things that 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 I would encourage you to do as I look at my relationship with my son um, coming out of rewriting the story with my mom that have helped me to walk this out. The first I would say is give yourself grace. There are no perfect parents. You know, I share it with you. I had to look and see that my mom was not perfect and I am not perfect. There are no perfect parents. So give yourself grace. If, if you're listening to this podcast and you think, Chandra, you don't understand how bad I've been with my child and maybe it's too late because they're 40 or they're 50 now. Give yourself some grace. It's not too late. As long as you have breath in your body you have the opportunity to mend that relationship, but give yourself grace. You're not going to get everything right. The second thing I would say to you is be intentional, be intentional about the time with your parent. If that's the relationship you want to heal and mend and rewrite and be intentional with your child. If that's the relationship that you want to rewrite and heal Learn their love language. Learn what they enjoy doing. Be intentional about spending quality time with them. Don't go and say, I'm going to go and spend time with my parent and spend all the time, all your time on social media. I don't mind having movie time, but if you're adults, have some conversation, talk about things. And, and, and again, this is something that I'm learning. I have not gotten this part right yet. It's still sometimes challenging for me and challenging for lack of a better word to have deep conversations with my son. I'm great at talking about business and the kids and his wife and us hanging out and um, talking about seriously the grandkids. We can talk about them all day long, but I'm, I'm not always good at having deep conversations with Marcus. And I'm not saying they have to be emotional and we have to be crying, but I do want to know what's on his heart and I want him to know what's on my heart. And really, cancer has brought us together more than anything. And I know that sounds bad, but it's the truth. Me being diagnosed with cancer four years ago has brought me and Marcus together closer. And, 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 and so when I talk about cancer saving my life, it didn't just save my life. It brought healing to a relationship with my son. Because when you face death, you live differently. And we live differently now. We do relationship differently now because I face cancer. So when you think about it, just be intentional. So I said, give yourself grace, be intentional during your quality time, no phone, no distractions, no social media. But the third is um, create a community of people to do life with. Sometimes it's not um, just you and that person, whether it's you and your child or you and your parent um, or you and your spouse, you know, whatever that relationship is, create a community of people around you that you love and that you trust and that you can do life together. Because sometimes like iron sharpening iron, you can do relationship in community and conversations will come about that may not necessarily come with just the two of you. It may need to be a third party 
who is more objective and who's not as emotionally invested to bring out things that may need to be talked about. And so find a way to do community. So give yourself grace, be intentional, create community. And the last thing I always say is pray, 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 pray and ask God how to have relationship, pray and ask God for the depth and what it is to look like. Pray and ask God how you can rewrite your story in this part of your life, in this area of your life. I'll close with this scripture in Psalm 139 verses 13. Verse 13 says, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. It was in this secret place of our mother's womb that God formed us. We didn't we we don't get to choose our parents. I didn't get to choose my parents. My son didn't get to choose his parents. My granddaughters didn't get to choose their parents. God chose our parents. And, and as much as we may want to be like them or unlike them, we are a part of them and they are a part of us. And God made it that way. I want to be able to celebrate every part of my mom and my dad. I, I want to be able to celebrate the good that God has placed in them and what he, they have passed on to me. That, that's where I am in my life. You know, I want to be able to take the strengths from them, their wisdom and their knowledge, their characteristics. I want to be better. And my prayers is that my son would be better because of the strengths and the characteristics of me and his dad. And that would pass down from generation to generation because God has chosen us to be a part of one another. I don't know where you are in your relationship with your mother or if you're the daughter or the parent, but I want to encourage you to think about your own story and how you can rewrite your story because it affects your life. It plays out in life. I, I've shared my story and how it played out with my son, but it didn't just play out with him. It affects our lives across the board. And so as you think about who you are and whose you are, remember like mother, like daughter, like mother, like daughter. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Rewrite Your Story. This was another great time of conversation as we looked at like mother, like daughter. I hope that you learned something new and you're thinking about your own mom or if you're a mom to a child, you're thinking about the relationship with your child. My prayer is that you will be encouraged and empowered as you walk this out. I ask that you would subscribe and tune in each week and don't forget to share us with your friends. We are here in hopes to help others rewrite their story. And remember, regardless of your circumstances, it's not too late to redeem your past and rewrite your future. May your pain become a platform to live with renewed purpose. Have a wonderful day.